Welcome, everyone, today to Women's Bible Study. Um, as we're called to worship today, I'm going to have Bree read Psalm 34 to us. But as we do so, I want us to think about the invitation that you have today to taste anew and to see that the Lord is good. Jesus calls us to follow him every day to pick up our cross. So will you receive the gift of eternal life that comes to you today, the living salvation, the one true hope? Hear these, psalm, these words from Psalm 34. Bree. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will ever be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Would we taste and see that you are good today? Would your praise ever be found on our lips today as we abide anew in the vine? We pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship together. Zoe, would you sing? Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring terrain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been and faithful you will be you pledge yourself to me and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You father the orphan, your kindness makes us whole, and you show Ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, 
We are in week four of Women's Bible Study. Can you believe how fast it's going? I can't believe that we're already here. I feel like we just started and now we're halfway through. Today marks the tipping point for halfway. Uh, But here we are. I pray uh, that it's been a good experience for you. I hope you're getting to know one another in your groups. Um, And I've heard amazing things from your leaders that things are going well, that people are sharing, that you're praying for each other. I've heard stories of the Lord moving. So I just want to encourage you. I can to continue to dive into your study, to be available for what God wants to teach you and to share that with others. It is such a gift for me uh, to get to speak to people and hear what God's doing in our midst in this time. So, so thankful that you're going through the book of Acts with us. Uh, I want to do a special shout out to my coworker, Jill Rhodes, who preached last week. She taught at Women's Bible Study. I got to listen to it. Um, She did a phenomenal job. So hope you were impacted by her talk on what it means to be people who are free. Uh, Jill, you did a great job on that. So uh, we're taking off into the next lesson. Um, Every week, I just feel like I get to the lesson and I am hit by how much I need this lesson, right? So I'm, I'm going in to teach this week and I start looking at my notes and the topic is be people who are available. Now I'm, I tend to be a free spirit. I tend to be an open hearted person or so I think. And then I started doing this lesson and I started having to look at my life through the lens of how God looks at it. Am I somebody who's available? Um, I don't know about you. I'm somebody who gets up in the day and I generally, not always, but I generally have a pretty full Google, Google calendar of things I need to get through. And so as I started to prepare for this lesson, I started to, I really try when I do these lessons to practice what I'm teaching about. Because I can't get up here and say, you should be available if I'm not. So as I started to practice this, um, I just started to get up in the morning, I would pray, God, uh, show me what it's like to be available today. Like, I want to be available to you. And boy, is it harder than I thought to give up my schedule my plans, my timeline. Here I think that I have all this church work to do and good things and meetings. And I, it was a battle between God and I for me to be available to him. And so I just want to confess that before we start. Sometimes the things we learn are so much easier to learn about somebody else and to actually apply. But what I did learn is as I 
offered myself to God this past week. I would get up in the morning. I would say, God, I just want to be available to you. And he would nudge me in certain ways. He would put people on my heart that he wanted me to text or or call and pray for. Um, I would be going into the next meeting and someone would catch me before and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? And normally I'm like, no, no, I got to get to this meeting. But I, you know, I would just listen like, God, is this someone I need to talk to? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me text this person. I'll be late for this meeting. This is what I found. When I was available to God, the things he had for me were good. They were good things. It felt like an affront to my schedule and my efficiency and things I needed to do. But really, I work for the church. The Lord is my ultimate boss. And so everything he had me do was for his good, was for his purposes, was for his will. And I got to see some of the fruit of the conversations I had, the people I called that the Lord would put in my heart out of the blue that I just called and said, hey, can I pray for you? I got to watch God minister to them. And so I want to start this lesson by saying, um, if you're like me, you can have a schedule and an agenda that you want to hold tight to, right? We all like control. But there is something beautiful about being open-handed and available with your time, with your talents, with your money, with your heart. God has good things in store for us when we're available. And so as we dive into this lesson today, we're going to see the goodness that God brings through Paul and Barnabas. But what I want to encourage you in is I really want you to try, I mean, we're encouraging you to practice this every week, but I would love to hear after the lesson this week, what your experience is of being available to be used by God. Because what I learned is that God has so many little things he want me, wants me to do, and they're all so important to him because they're about people and people matter to God. And so I'm going to pray for us as we do this lesson this week, as we dive in to learn about Paul and Barnabas and how, where they went and what they did. My prayer for us is that we would be people who are continually available to be used by God for whatever it is he has for us because his plans are always good. That's one of the lies I had to battle of like, but God, I have this other really important meeting. And he'd be like, Coley, this person's heart matters. And it was like, yeah, you're right. I love this person. Of course, I'm going to call them and go late to a meeting because I can. So my prayer is that you and I would be people who are available uh, as we dig into the word this week. So let's pray. And then we're going to dive right into the text. Heavenly Father, I just invite you to be uh, on the throne during this time, Lord. We invite you to be in the driver's seat, Lord. We ask you to take control. We ask you to lead us and guide us. God, our heart, we want to be people who are available uh, for the things that you have for us, for the things you want to do through us. And so, God, we just posture ourselves before you open and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Uh, We want to be part of your good plans and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth with you. So God, would you speak to us in this lesson and would you meet us in this space? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, we're going to dive right in. So you can follow along on the screen. Of course, if you have your own Bible, you can get that out too. But um, let's start with verse 1, chapter 13. It said, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with the Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Pause on that. Uh, 
Manan was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. That's the Herod who had John the Baptist beheaded. So you can imagine, they come from pretty diverse backgrounds. Simon, called Niger, what we believe is the Simon who went and picked up the cross for Jesus when he was on his route uh, and the cross got too heavy for him. Simon was the one that jumped in. So you have men of very different backgrounds, one who grew up in the house that had John the Baptist beheaded. And then Saul, we know Saul's background with persecuting um, the, the Jews. And now they're all here uh, under the guise of the Lord. So encouragement for those of you today that feel like your background is too rough for God to use you. It's totally a lie. God wants to use you. Um, And so verse two says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after that, they had, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Uh, Just one more caveat in here before we dive into kind of the heart of this little passage is Saul and Barnabas were people that the Lord set apart to use for his good works. Uh, My prayer for you in this season is that you would begin to understand and see that God has divinely and uniquely set you apart for good works. And you may think that that's only missionaries or pastors that God does that with, Not true at all. God's created you with a certain DNA, a certain makeup, a certain set of passions and gifts and skills, um, a personality. He's made all these wonderful things about you. And the reality is God wants to use you for a specific purpose. It might not look like a missionary. He might not send you across the world to share the gospel, but his plan is to put your life on mission wherever you are, whether that's in the doctor's office, at the grocery store, in your job, at home with your kids, homeschooling, driving to soccer practice, wherever you are and wherever you go, God does want to use you for his plans and purpose. So I don't want anyone who's watching to think, oh, Coley, this is, this is for pastors and teachers and missionaries. No, no, this, this is for you and me. God created you exactly as he created you for a reason. And he does have plans for you. And so we see here in this specific instance, they set Barnabas and Saul off for this specific assignment. And they lay hands on them and they bless them to go. God has a specific assignment for you. And my hope is that you spend time with the Lord. If you don't know what that is, uh, that you spend time sitting at his feet and asking God, uh, what did you create me to do? Who did you create me to be today? Who did you create me to bless? Because I know God has an assignment for each one of us. And my prayer is that you would be available and open to it in this season. So that's a little caveat. We saw Saul and Barnabas get sent off for the work they were called to do. We're in the process of figuring out, God, what's the work you've called me to do here right now in the 21st century in whatever city you're in. You might not be in Los Angeles. So God's got a plan for you. All right. Diving back in verse four, it says, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? 
Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Wow, that's a story, right? Um, if you've ever seen cartoons, this reminds me of the cartoons that would have the angel on one side and the devil on the other, and they'd both be talking into their ears. That's exactly what's happening in this. There are two opposing kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, and they are both out to get somebody. So we're watching basically a spiritual battle go down. It's God power of the Holy Spirit versus Satan. Uh, And we see that all happening here. And so if you're taking notes today, the first point I want to make today, we're going to have four points today because I felt like it was time to switch it up. Instead of three, I'm going to give you four. Um, But the first point that I want to make today is we think about what it means, who God's inviting us to be. Um, I believe that he is inviting us to be available for battle. God is inviting you and I to be available for battle. What do I mean by that? In this story, Barnabas and Saul are set apart and they come and they encounter a sorcerer, somebody who deals in like magistry, magistry, that's a wrong word, magician stuff, witchcraft, somebody who is controlling spirits for their own gain, essentially. They encounter this man and then they encounter the proconsul, who summon a very high standing and authority. So you have Bar Jesus or Elymas and then you have the proconsul. And the proconsul is an intelligent man with a high position who is seeking to know what is true. So Elymas wants to bring him into his kind of sorcery, his witchcraft. And here he calls for Barnabas and Saul and says, no, I want to know about God. So basically this is a showdown between evil and goodness, darkness and light. And what happens is we see that Paul, uh, it says Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and the enemy. So what we see Paul do is Paul is available for God to fight the battle through him. Um, And you see it in the way that he opens his mouth and he speaks direct truth to the evil that's being portrayed in the sorcery. Um, And when I I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about a verse that's always struck me in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, so often you and I, when we think of going into battle, we think of battling somebody, right? We think, uh, we think that person is wrong. We think uh, that party is wrong or that uh, lawyer is wrong or that judge is wrong or, th- or that friend is wrong, whoever's wronged you. We often tend to frame our battles in the concept of people. But what the Bible is saying is that really uh, our battle isn't against people, right? It's against the spiritual authorities in the heavenly realms. There are a real kingdom. There's a real kingdom of goodness and there's a real kingdom of evil. And there are spiritual forces that 
are battling for dominion. I know it sounds like something that we see in cartoons, but it's, there's nothing more true in the world that there are spirits that are fighting on both sides, some for God and some for the enemy, and they are constantly at war with each other. And so the invitation for you and I is to be available for God to use us in the battle for good. Here, Paul invites the Holy Spirit in, and because he invites the Holy Spirit in, the Holy Spirit takes the battle. <clears throat> These words that are coming out of Paul's mouth, I believe, are God speaking right through Paul, because basically God calls out the enemy directly. It says, you're filled with all kind of deceit and trickery, and because of that, there's a consequence. What happens is the kingdom of good calls out the kingdom of bad. And so because Paul is available to be used for this, Paul declares over him that you are going to be blind for a time and will not see the light of sun. Basically what happens is the kingdom of darkness is called out as it is darkness. And part of the consequence is they will not be able to see the light while the light exposed who they are. So here is this battle over this person, Sergius Paulus, who's a proconsul, a person of high authority and opinion. And Saul shows up and is available he says, I will speak truth uh, for the sake of Sergius Paulus's soul. And the reality is that God is always inviting us to be part of the kingdom that wins, to be on his side, to be for righteousness, to be for truth, to be for his glory. And Paul made himself available to enter the battle and be used. Um, and so often you and I, when we see the battle, at least me, I maybe assume maybe you too, I kind of just want to shrink away from it. I kind of feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm strong enough or like, I don't know, that kind of stuff is all scary. Here's the problem and here's the reality is that the battle is real and it will exist with or without us. The problem is, is that when you and I aren't available to stand up for truth, to, to let the Holy Spirit use us to proclaim light, what happens is the darkness grows and the enemy can overcome. And when the enemy overcomes, he gets dominion and victory. And those are the consequences that you and I then must live under. When we don't battle, we forfeit and we can often lose. And that means the enemy wins. And so this is a perfect example where Paul went head to toe with bar Jesus and and he didn't back down. He said, Holy Spirit, speak through me. The Spirit spoke and there was truth. And they were really battling over this man's life. Sergius uh, Paulus was looking for the truth. He was hearing Bar Jesus, but he wanted to also hear from Barnabas and Paul because he wanted to know what was true. And what happens is we see that when the pro proconsul saw what happened, he was believed and he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. I love that it says teaching and not the demonstration. This word teaching implies word and deed. Not only did Paul and Barnabas talk about who God was, they showed who God was by allowing the Holy Spirit to do things that they can't do. This is what I want us to hear. There is a real battle out there and you and I get to be different make, difference makers when we stand with Jesus for what is right and what is true. Um, basically, there's two Bible verses I found that kind of paint a picture of these two worlds. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory, glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It's talking about a culture of darkness. It does not recognize Jesus as a Lord. The kingdom of darkness has a reign in this earth. But then there's also Luke 10, 19, where Jesus says, behold, I will give you all authority over the power of the enemy. So when you and I believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive power 
over the enemy. Light always conquers darkness. Have you ever been in a room that's dark and lit one candle? The darkness cannot overcome the light. You and I are invited to battle, to stand for what is true, to stand for what's right. And so I wonder today, right now, what battle you're in. Is there, it might be in the spiritual realm, it might be in the physical realm. I don't know what kind of battle you're in, but will you be available for Jesus to use you for what is right? Either in, in speaking something, in acting a certain way, will you choose to be in the battle on God's side? Because when we shrink back and we don't engage the battle, what actually happens is we just forfeit and the enemy gets to triumph. We are invited to be ambassadors of the kingdom and people who invite the Holy Spirit in to battle for us. Where is the Lord inviting you to battle today? Will you be available to that call? As we can see here, the results were strong. Uh, Bar Jesus was basically sent away groping in the dark and here saw um, Paul and Barnabas got to share with the proconsul the goodness of the Lord and he came to know Jesus. And think about the impact of that. This is a man of position high in the government who affected law, policy, ruling, judgment. Him knowing Jesus changed an entire community because his decisions henceforth went out from a place of light. When you and I stand for the light, it goes far beyond sometimes what we can see, which is really cool to think about. All right, diving back in, because like always in these series, we have so much to go through in so little time. So jumping back in, we're going to go into, we're going to start from verse 13. Uh, It says, from Paphos, where they just were, Uh, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. And from Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. We pause dramatically in that story as it's a very long passage. We pause to get to our second point. And the second point is, I believe God wants us to be available to speak. So in our first example, we saw God wants us to be available to enter the battle, to say yes to the rule and reign of God's kingdom, to combat that with power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing I think he's teaching us in this passage is to be people who are available to speak. And so they travel to Pisidia, Antioch. You might notice that there's a lot of Antioch references in the book of Acts. It's because there was a ruler, Antiochus, who named multiple cities after himself. So there's not all one Antioch where the original the f- original church was founded. That's not this, this Antioch. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them because the man wanted to name things after himself. So um, this is a different place. But as we just saw, uh, they're coming into a new city and basically they go to the synagogue, which was one of their rules or the first place that they would go is because they were going to preach to the Jews first, to their fellow mankind. So they go into the synagogue and instantly they're invited to speak. And here's what they do. They stand up and they speak. And this is the passage that's, it's so beautiful. I hope you read it in your reading, but it's really long to get into. But basically Paul starts back from the the very beginning, he talks about Moses in the wilderness. He goes to David. He goes, he goes all the way back to fellow children of Abraham. Um, basically, Paul speaks the good news to this entire congregation of Jews in the synagogue and God-fearing Gentiles. Paul speaks the good news of Jesus to them. And that 
is a powerful invitation to you and I today. Uh, I believe God wants us to be people who are available to speak about his goodness, about his glory, about his truth, about his hope, about his righteousness. Um, Basically, what Paul does is he explains to this community of believers that the gospel of Jesus Christ is now available for all who believe. And one of the key verses in this is verse 38. So we are going to read in that. It says verse 38. Um, Paul says, therefore, my friends, remember this is Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So here Paul gets up and he speaks what is true. And what happens is the word goes out. Paul speaks good news to the people and then it travels on. It says, verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. Can you believe this? And then in verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal lives, we now turn to the Gentiles. This is what they're saying to the Jews. There is a mission in Paul and Barnabas to speak Speak the truth over those who have not heard it. Uh, This, I believe, is the same invitation that God calls us to. When I think about what God wants us to be available to on a day-to-day basis, so much of it is just speaking truth and goodness to people. Um, This season has been crazy difficult for I think a lot of us I am assuming all of us but you might be one of the rare that are thriving in this season and if so I'm so excited for you but this has been an extremely difficult season where we're getting bombarded with horrible news stories the pandemic is still going on COVID is still making its way into families and homes Um, and so we have received a lot of disheartening news this past year of things being closed down, friends being sick. Um, our life as we knew it has kind of been taken away or reshifted for us. And so if I think about being available to speak goodness and truth, I almost can't think of a better time where people need it than right now. Because I don't know about you, but in even in my own life, I'm so tempted to complain about things, to dump all my frustrations out. But the, the Bible talks about how the power of life and death is is in our tongue. And so you and I, how we speak, it matters. And so when the when the synagogue called Paul, they said, would you give a word? Would you speak? Uh, Paul is ready with a message that's full of hope and truth and light. You and I speak every single day. Are you available? Are you willing to let God use your speech to encourage people, to remind them of what's true, to speak goodness over them, to bless others? Um, So much of the work for myself of being available to God this last week was really just being available to speak a word of hope or encouragement or pray for somebody who is going through a rough time. God uses us to minister to one another. But what it takes is it takes a sensitivity of the spirit of to know who he's asking us to either reach out to or call and what he's calling us to say. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If you and I have the discernment, we have the spirit of truth inside of us to know 
who to call and what they need to hear. We say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Minister to my friend who's hurting. Minister to this woman in my Bible study who's going through such a horrific season with COVID and cancer and job loss. There are things that people in our community are going through that are very, very difficult and hard and feel like death. And where you and I are called to be available is to come in and speak truth, to speak hope, to speak life, to speak blessing over those who are in despair. So I wonder as you look at your community, as you look at your city, as you look at where you go on a day-to-day basis, maybe it's just Zoom meetings, maybe you're just with your kids. Uh, I don't know the circles that you run in, but I want to encourage you, who is God calling you to be available to speak into their life? I think that we hear so much negative news and complaining and depression. I think our world is hungry for people to speak hope and encouragement and just goodness over people. I, I would love if everyone sent one or two texts after you watch this of just blessing someone else, thinking about you, love you, love this about you, praying for you today. What would it look like for us to turn the narrative of the negativity of the season into the hope that's in Christ? Jesus loves you. Jesus is for you. He sees you. He's walking with you. He's not done with you. Jesus has the victory. He, you are his beloved. Cling to that. You and I get to deliver messages of hope wherever we go. And so I wonder, where are you called to speak? Will you be available to speak a good word instead of a complaint or a bad word? That's a lesson for all of us, including myself, as I've been a little more complaining in this season. But our words matter, speech matters, um, and that's something God invites us to be available to, just like Paul was. And the, the outreach of that was amazing. Verse 49 says, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Paul's availability, his obedience to stand up in that synagogue, to tell the story of Jesus, to give hope, to say, Gentiles, you are now invited in. Do you know how scary that must have been for him? The fear that he knew that the Jews might have against him, that he is proclaiming that the Gentiles are allowed in. This speech, this truth didn't come without a risk or a cost. And as we'll see later on, it stirs up a very angry crowd of people who think that he's speaking blasphemously. But Paul speaks hope over a people group, the Gentiles, who had never been able to access Jesus or the forgiveness of sin. So he comes with a message that does stir controversy, but it's truth and it blesses all those who hear it. Will you be someone who speaks blessings this week? I hope so. Uh, carrying on, we're going to dive, we're going to jump ahead a little bit because as I said, there's a lot, uh, the disciples are, we're going to miss the section where they go to Iconium, but we're going to jump ahead. We're going to go to chapter 14, verse eight, when they're in Lystra. Um, and we're going to pick up in verse eight. It says, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul, they called Hermes because he was a chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. 
But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with the plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. This brings us to our third point today, and that is we need to be available to remove idols and make God God. We need to be willing to remove idols and make God God. You see what happened it is in the town of Lystra, they worshiped two gods, the God of Zeus and the God of Hermes. And so those were the people that they prayed to, they worshiped to, and then Paul and Barnabas came in and preached the truth about who Jesus was. They healed a lame man and the Everybody in the city saw that the lame man was started to walk. And so suddenly they began to question the two gods that they were praying to when they saw the God of a different man bring somebody to walk. And so basically in this, in this um, little vignette, in this little story, Paul and Barnabas are brought to this encounter where they, they heal a man and the entire city, their response is to think that Paul and Barnabas are God. Now this, this talk of idols, when we think of idols in the Bible, we often think of these statues or uh, the crafted imagery, but really uh, Zeus and Hermes were two idols, false gods, that the people of this town worshiped for their crops, for their livelihood, um, because they didn't know the true living God. And Paul and Barnabas came so that they would know the truth. The problem is, is when they saw the man who was lame from birth get up and walk, they assumed that their gods came down in the format of Paul and Barnabas. And so as these, as they go to sacrifice to these two men, Paul and Barnabas uh, basically have to put an end to this immediately. They run out. It says they tear their clothes. They rush into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are only human like you are. What's happening here is this is an issue of power. The two gods that they had named Zeus and Hermes represent the kingdom of darkness. And here, Paul and Barnabas came to preach about the living God, the one true God, the one that actually heals the lame because he's more powerful. And so these people start to recognize there is a power greater than our gods. But what they naturally do is they naturally take their gods and assume that their gods have come down in human form. Now, this might seem kind of like out of the left field for us because we don't worship the God of Zeus and Hermes and those might not be familiar languages to us. However, you and I all have idols. There are things that we turn to, that we worship, that we love, that we put our hope in, that we adore, that we spend time in, that we invest money in. Anything that comes yeah, in takes the place of God in our life is really something that becomes an idol. So idols in our day and age look can look very different. Um, they could be family. It could be security. It could be uh, your stock portfolio. It could be your beauty, the way you look. It could be your friend circle. It could be your reputation. It might be your car. It might be your house. R- really, idols are anything that offer us what I would say is a false sense of security. It's where we put our hope because we think it's going to give us what we want. But really the problem with idols is that we see here is idols always offer more than they can provide. Because the reality is 
every good thing comes from God and he is the only one that's worthy to be worshiped, the one that's worthy to have a sacrifice to and live for. But you and I uh, can make idols out of other things and uh, this breaks God's heart. God's first two commandments are, uh, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make for yourself any carved image. The Lord was huge about destroying idols because what they did is they built a false sense of security and they distracted from the actual truth, the actual power source. And so part of what you and I have to be willing to do we have to be able to remove idols. And this starts with us. Uh, It's one thing, Paul and Barnabas had done the work of taking away their uh, other idols. Saul had made uh, the Jewish rule, the Mosaic law, his idol. And when Jesus came in and spoke to him, he realized that Jesus was more important than the law. So Saul's done his idolatry work. We need to start with us. So what are some of the things that you are clinging to or putting hope in that are bigger than Jesus? Because that is the message that we share with the world. And if we want to be available to be used by God, it starts by us getting rid of the things that we turn to in front of him. Um, And so it's as easy as us just confessing to the Lord, just naming them. And so for you, I wonder right now, uh, as you're thinking about it, what might be an idol or something that you're turning to instead of turning to God. One of the easiest ones I think for almost all of us is I think we can become idols. I think that we can see ourselves as God of like, we want to be in control of everything. We want to control our destiny. We want to make our life matter. We want to discern how we do things. We want to know, we want to decide where we go, what we do for a job, how we work. We can easily put ourselves on the throne instead of this posture of humility that really recognizes, God, you created me and you created me for a purpose. And so I want to live for your kingdom, for your desires. I'm available to be used by you. Uh, That's the posture the Lord wants us to take. But so often our culture preaches, you make decisions, you get your own, you do your own thing. Like you're you're an individual unit, like you make the best of you. So the invitation is for us to be available to remove idols. Because what happens is when we sacrifice and worship the wrong things, all that comes out of that is heart disappointment, brokenness. Uh, we don't want to ever be led astray by something that isn't God because anything that's not God isn't true. It doesn't satisfy. It can't sustain us. Only God can satisfy the whole that's in our heart. And so part of being available to be used by him is just confessing, God, I've trusted other things before you. I have worshiped other things this week. Would you forgive me? I confess that I've made idols and I don't want to make idols because I know that you are the one true living God. Will you take time this week to do business with him? Um, And just let him reveal in you if there is anything that's blocking you from a living relationship with him because idols can kind of become a wall that keep us from God. And God wants an active living relationship with us with nothing hindering it so we can hear from him and know him. So part of what it means to be a disciple, part of what we learn in this lesson is we have to be available to remove idols. And if the Lord moves you to help someone else see their idols, that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit that we follow as well. Because we don't want anyone we love to go astray either. We don't want anyone that we know putting all their hope in the stock market and then watching it crash and watching them crash with it. We want to encourage our community to put our hope in Christ because that's the only place that it's safe. 
Uh, so will you be available to remove idols? What would it look like for you this week? What is an idol that you need to get rid of to remove from the throne so that God can be God? Paul and Barnabas made sure the whole community knew that it was God and God alone that gave the power to heal that man. Where do you need to turn to God and say, God, it's just you. I'm all, I'm all in. I'm all for you. And the last little chunk we're going to read today as we just cruise along as we do, uh, we're going to die. We're going to start right off in verse 19. So right after this happens, uh, it says, verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. The last one might be one of the most difficult for us, but I also think it's one of the most powerful. The last thing I believe this text teaches us today is we must be available to go through hardships. As we see in this, Paul and Barnabas, they say, no, 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 don't sacrifice to us. We're not gods, it's actually that God. What happens is it stirs the crowd. And then we read in verse 19 that Jews from Antioch and Iconium came to win the crowd over. So where they are right now, they're in Lystra. Uh, where Antioch and Iconium, that's over 100 miles away. These are the last two cities they had been through that they passed through. And the people that had stirred up against them, the Jews that were upset that they preached to the, jo- the, the Gentiles could be part of the kingdom. They followed them 100 miles. So now there's all this chaos of who are these men? Are they gods? And so Suddenly the haters, that's what I'm going to call them, come from the other city and they stir up the crowd. So what happens is they stone Paul and they drag him out of the city. There are times in life where you and I will go through hardships. It's inevitable. Whether you're following Jesus and living for him or if you're living from yourself, either way there's going to be hardships. What I want to encourage you in today is that when we live for Jesus, when we commit our lives to him, when we're available for what he'll have us do, in this case, it was Paul preaching the good news and it got him stoned. When we leave for, live for Jesus, there is good fruit that comes on the other side of that hardships. Hardships do not last forever. Uh, they are part of our long journey. So for those of you who are in a hardship right now, I want to encourage you, don't lose hope. Don't lose the faith God has you in this. He knows the plans he has for you and they are good and he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten with you. Instead, he is walking with you through this because he knows the plans he has and he wants to bring good out of the situation. Nothing we do for the name of Jesus and nothing's ever in vain. So if you're going through a season of hardship, I want to encourage you, there is hope on the other side. What happens is Paul gets stoned and dragged outside the city to die. His message caused such an affront from the people that they wanted to kill him. And it might have felt like he was going to die. But what we see is that God spared his life. And then after the disciples gathered around him, what did he do? He got up and he went right back 
into that city. He went right back to the people who just stoned him. He went back in. Why? Because Paul had a mission and assignment from the Lord. And when God wills something, when God calls you to something, God will see you through it. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that he was called to preach the good news to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Paul followed that mission. So he didn't let the hardship sidetrack him. What so often happens with you and I is we're, you know, we're living for Jesus. We're trying to share the good news. We're joining Bible study. We're studying. We're loving others. We're trying to forgive. And then we come across a brick wall. I don't know what that brick wall is for you. It, it, sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're small. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's someone in your family getting sick. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Uh, maybe it's an illness. Maybe uh, a rumor was started. Maybe it's a betrayal of a friend. Maybe it's a friend group crumbling. Maybe it's uh, your kids walking from the Lord. I don't know what the hardship is. All I know is that they exist and they come. And what we start to think, what the Satan will have us believe is that we are not in God's will. We did something wrong. Why would this happen to me? Because I'm trying to live for the Lord. What I want to tell you is hardships are part of the journey, but they're not the end of the journey. God uses everything for our good. So if you're going through a hardship right now, stick to the faith because God has something on the other side. Paul got Paul was stoned, dragged outside to be dead. He got back up. He went back into the city and he continued to preach the good news. Then he went a step further. Verse 21 says they preached the gospel in that city and won a number of disciples. See, God is showing them, Paul, I have fruit for you. Keep, don't let the fact that someone stoned you, don't stop there. Don't go home, lick your wounds, give up the ministry because you think you failed. That oppression is people, is you actually doing what I called you to do? Get back up. So he gets back up and he converts a whole city. Multiple people came to know Jesus because Paul was faithful. And then they go to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They go back to the cities where all the haters are from that riled to kill him. They go back into the cities. Why? Because Paul has a call on his life and they they're doing the work of the Lord. They're going to build the church that God asked them to build. So they go back to each city. They encourage the believers. They set up elders. They do the work of the Lord. And this is our call. There's always something on the other side of the hardship. So I don't know if you're in a hardship today. I know we've all been through hardships. What I want to encourage you is to be available for the hardship. Welcome it. Let it come. Don't let it take you out. There's a beautiful illustration that I was reading about recently in a book, and they talked about the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And the caterpillar, when it makes a cocoon, uh, it goes into the cocoon for a long time, and that's the gestation process. But the cocoon is dark, and there is no light. And I think I imagine some of you feel like you're in a cocoon right now. You are in a hard season of life where it doesn't seem like there's hope. There doesn't seem like a way out. You don't know what's happening. Maybe you don't know which way is up and which way is down. You feel stuck. But what happens in that gestation process, that time in the cocoon, that darkness, the waiting period, is God is building and transforming a beautiful butterfly. And so when that butterfly, when the wings are formed and it starts to push out of the shell, it develops the muscles that it needs in fighting the darkness to eventually fly out of the cocoon into new life. God uses hardships periods of testing to transform us into something greater than we could ever be without them. So when hardships come, don't be discouraged. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not on the right track or doing something wrong. Continue to fight on. Continue to press towards what God has for you. Invite him to speak into that time and invite him to use that hardship 
to make you a new creation. We are all new creations in, in Christ and he's constantly transforming us and making us into people that will be kingdom bearers and bring his light. So the reality is God wants to use you today, tomorrow, this week. Will you be available? Will you allow him to come into your heart, to speak into who he would have you speak to, to stand up to the battle he wants you to stand up to, uh, to cast down the idols you need to cast down, and to endure the hardships as they come? Will you say yes to what God wants to do in your life? Because I believe it's something far better than you could ask, hope, or imagine. The adventure awaits. Let me pray. God, I pray that we would be people who are available to you this week. God, whatever that looks like, we're all so different and you have different calls, assignments, and projects for all of us. But God, would, would we in our hearts invite you to be God, invite you to speak into how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our energies? God, would you use us for your kingdom? Would we be available to the plans that you have for us this week? And would we get to see the fruit, God, just because you're good and you love us? Would we see your goodness in our availability? I bless all the women who are watching this today, Lord. Empower them through the Holy Spirit to be available to the work you've prepared in advance for them to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you back here next week. Bye. Bye.